0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Deacon John and Joe coming at you from the treehouse on the third floor in Denver, Colorado. The ordination's coming. I probably should find a replacement, so.
1: Ordination? Oh, that's
0: him. Nice. No, I don't know if he can be replaced, John. If they ship me off to somewhere like Craig, what they did with Father Mike, then... Then you and Father Mike can do it together. Father Mike, can reunite
1: the, the, the clans.
0: I don't think they have electricity out there though. So yeah, it's kind of in the backwoods. It. It's out in the sticks. But uh, hey, that's alright. We won't think about sad things like that today. We got,
1: we got. We've got
0: 13 podcasts left till I'm ordained, I think, something like that. We do. get a little stretch here? Yeah, this is good, round two. Okay, today you're talking about something I know nothing about. John Mayer. We're not talking about John Mayer. There's nothing Catholic. I know. There is nothing... Well, I
1: don't know. He might be Catholic. He might be falling away Catholic. I'm not sure, but... Uh I was thinking about John Mayer when I was preparing for this podcast. You were singing John Mayer before you. <laughs> I was I was singing John Mayer. Okay, so John Mayer has this song. Oh, no. No, I'm serious. serious. <laughs> I'm totally serious. I was thinking about this in my home oh, life, actually. It was okay. actually a really beautiful thing. So he has this... This is the question, I guess, that comes in my head. Does God reveal himself outside of Christianity? And the answer, I mean, our first inclination... I think we'd have to you know, is to say like, well, you know, he reveals himself in Christ, you know, and we have to believe that. If we don't believe that, what do you know, what do we believe? But I do think and I, and this is something we've learned in seminary, that there's a difference between he does reveal himself outside of the visible confines of Christianity. But in Christianity, there's a definitive revelation. But there is, God reveals himself in, in our consciousness. even like a non-Christian. He reveals himself in creation. Um, and the person we're talking about today is an example of this. And John Mayer is as well. I was thinking about this because okay. he has this song that he says, um,
0: what does he say? I know today? the heart of life is good. Yes, That's what you're just singing. that
1: was exactly the thing I was thinking about. He says, you know, pain throws your heart to the ground, love turns the whole thing around. No, will all turn. He's singing this song to like you know this lady friend that's pouting about something, right? And he says, you know, it, it won't all <laughs> probably. But no, that's detraction. Uh- <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I'm didn't know. sorry. He's going to be offended when he hears this. Um, but he says, you know, no, it won't all turn out the way it should. But I know the heart of life is good, and that's truth. And we have to say that this is God reveals this in some sense because all truth comes from God. You know, there is nothing that's true, nothing that's good or beautiful that right. is not does not have God at its source. You know, so um, there is a way that God, in some way, mysteriously does reveal Himself to all people. But what makes Christianity unique is that in Christianity, I mean, God sends little love notes to us, uh, to humanity, like things like this. You know, the heart of life is good. There is beauty. The source of this goodness is is beautiful. Um, but it's almost like it's almost like somebody pursuing a, a, a you know his love who sends her flowers and sends her these little things to give hints about his identity. But in Christianity is when he shows his face, and he says, Here I am. This is, right. this, is this is the face of God. This is the face of the Father, and it's love. Um, and it's beautiful, and the reason I'm talking about it is because um, St. Josephine Bakhita, whose feast day we're celebrating today, uh, in the future, February, I think it's 8th, uh, when this podcast is published, is okay. going to be the feast day of St. Josephine. Oh, this so, is the day. This is the day, Wow, which is kind of the inspiration for this uh, topic. But uh, St. Josephine... Was just canonized in 2000, but uh, she was an African slave uh, who uh, ended up becoming a nun and a saint. But early in her life, before she encountered Christianity, she remembers she was part of this um, an African tribe that uh, kind of more animal spirit religion okay. um, and, uh, you know, worshiping different spirits in creation. But she said throughout all of it, she had the sense that there was a maker behind it all and he was good. And she was like, who is this? Who is this maker? You know? And so she'd go out in the fields and just kind of think about it and and contemplate the one true God, even though she had no revelation. And even here, the seeds of uh, God's truth and revelation and the, where he wanted to lead her, he was already starting to woo her heart in these things. You know? And maybe God's already starting to woo John Mayer's heart. You know? this, these, the, the goodness that we see and the truth that we see in our culture around us is examples of the Holy Spirit is at work in the hearts of people. And, it, right. and we, you know, we pray that that comes to fruition in, in the true faith and, and a true encounter with God in a personal way. but uh, So how did she get to being a saint is my question. Okay, well, this is a good question. Um, uh, St. Josephine Bikita, when she was uh, nine years old, she is has suffered so much. She's like kind of the saint of modern times that has been through. I, I mean, I haven't heard a story like hers that's like that striking. And in fact, the only reason I know about her is because um, Pope Benedict, in his encyclical on Hope, Space Salve. Uh, uses her life as an example of what hope is, um, and so this is you know just a quick sketch of her life. She was when she was nine years old, she was captured by slaves, and the slave trade was. This is in 1869; she was born. So in the 19th century, the slave trade was you know abolished in most of Europe and in and in America, but it was still going on in Africa. Mm. So slaves are still being captured, and um, so she was nine years old, out in the field, uh, and uh, was taken away from her family and. From there, she found herself in the slave market, ended up having five different slave owners, and was just treated horribly. Um, she was tortured. Uh, they actually branded her with uh, razors. It was part of the custom of the time. All over her stomach and her arms and her and her breasts uh, with a razor. She had over 154, 144 tattoos uh, that were carved into her skin from the time she was like 9 years old to 13 or 14. She said every day she was beaten. Uh, she bled every day. In fact, one time she overheard a... Argument between her her master and his wife, um, and because of that, he beat her. So she was on a straw mat for like she couldn't move for like two months, just really suffered. And her family was completely, she never saw her family again. Um, but eventually, she was um, bought by this Italian guy, and the Italian man had her for a couple years. And he was the first master she had that was a kind master. Um, he was still a slave owner, you know, and he wasn't he was he was a Catholic, but I don't think he was terribly religious. Um, but eventually, he went back to Italy, and she begged begged them to take her with her, so she did and she's about 13 years old and when she was there um she ends up becoming the nanny for uh, a friend of theirs uh the child of a friend of theirs and um when they want to go back to africa uh for, she's like begging them not to take her back to africa and in fact and she, she appeals to the law and in italy the slave trade had been abolished, abolished. Right. So italy was basically like she's not your slave because there's no slavery here so she was never she's not rightfully or she can do whatever she wants and so she decides to stay um and ends up staying with uh, some Kenosha nuns. Uh, I th- is that what they're called? Kenosha, Kenosha
0: nuns? Like Kenosha Pass up in the mountains. <laughs> Actually, as soon as I said <laughs> it, I was like, that doesn't sound very right. Kenosha. Kenosha.
1: Uh, I can't remember the name.
0: Uh, I can't Car- remember. Uh, maybe Carmelite? No, it's not Carmelite. Um, it's some nuns. Hmm. I'm not sure.
1: Let's see here. Probably Sorry not. Probably funny, not John. that big of a deal. Probably it's a not. Huge deal. <laughs> no, no, it is Canossian nuns. Yeah,
0: Canossian with a K.
1: No, C A N O S S I A N. This From. is totally not that important.
0: Okay, really. Here we are really, talking yeah. about it. Kenosian nuns.
1: But um, she ends up uh, staying with this religious order of nuns, um, and through them, obviously, finds out about the faith, okay. um, and her life's totally transformed. Here, which part of Italy do you know? Do I know which part of Italy? Oh, which in, is Venice. in it Venice. In Venice. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which part of Italy do you know?
1: <laughs> I'm like, I've been to Rome. <laughs> um, well, I'm like, why is this relevant at all? Um, yeah, so she's uh, in Venice, and she ends up becoming part of the religious community, becomes a sister, uh, and lives for like 70... She dies in 1947, and was very humble. And so she converts and becomes a sister. She converts, becomes a sister. Um, but the important thing in her life, and the thing that's remarkable, is how much she suffered, but throughout it all, um, never despaired, and never returned to bitterness. In fact, she even said, you know, I would... If I met my if I met my captors now, I would kiss I would kiss their hands um, because it was because of it was because of the suffering I went and endured under them, and because of the slave trade uh, that she ended up Hmm. becoming Catholic and becoming finding her true faith. Um, But the beautiful thing um, about how she experienced uh, God was she always experienced God as her lover, who was always warm her heart, and even before almost like as a child in the fields thinking about this God and experiencing all these cruel masters. Um, and you would think, okay, this woman's been through so much suffering. Uh, she's been through so much torture. She's experienced the darkest heart of man. Um, how can she possibly say, you know, the heart of life, though, is good. You know, the heart the heart of the Father, the heart of God who's behind all this, there's goodness here. Um, how could she possibly say that? Um, and she's an example of... Uh, when she realized when she had a conversion uh, she saw god as her master but the first master she all, all she had been given is examples of cruel horrible masters but she saw god as uh, a master who loves her um, a master who you know you know before at the best she was considered was a useful slave but now she she knew that she was a her master was lord of all lords he was above all these other masters and she came to know that this god this master created her and he loved her and desired a relationship with her and that was where she pinned all of her her whole existence and so she would say at the end of her life she would say you know I am definitely loved and whatever happens to me I am awaited by love hmm. and so this life is good my life is good no matter what because I'm awaited by love and Pope Benedict talks about this in his encyclical on hope and this is it teaches us something about what hope is about because I think sometimes we think about hope right and it's kind of like the law you know faith, hope, and love are the three virtues uh, the cardinal virtues oh no I'm sorry not the cardinal theological virtues right um, but, you know, we talk about faith a lot and how important faith is, important to believe. Love, of course, is the pinnacle of everything. This whole life is about learning to love um, as Christ loved. Uh, but hope is kind of forgotten. It's just kind of like, you know, we wish that things would be, that will be in heaven and we kind of like look forward to heaven. But what does that really mean? How do, how do we live hope? Right. You know, um, and Benedict uh, in his encyclical uh, gives, he basically goes into this into this issue like, what is hope? How is it active? Where in where is it in our lives now? And he basically says how hope and faith are so united, and hope isn't just kind of this this kind of like wishful looking forward, like you know hoping that things, things are going to get better, things are going to turn out. Year. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm getting tortured and things carve my body, but right. I hope it'll turn out good. Right. That's what hope is. You yeah. know, it's kind of being optimistic. Right. And hope is not optimism. Hope is not kind of saying is gl- you know kind of glossing over the sufferings in this life. Right. No. But hope is rooted in faith, and basically what hope is. It is having the door of the future of your life thrown open and saying that Christ is at the end of this Christ is at the, the, at behind all this stuff is a loving God, and in heaven this this is all this is my reward is there and it's now, and that affects how i how I perceive the future um affects how I live right now um and it's almost as if uh, oh yeah, you know have you read that book he leadeth me
0: um I've read part of it Walter schizek mm-hmm. yeah
1: he has this beautiful line in there and he says uh he says, if the good news of Christianity is anything, it is this, that death has no hidden terror, has no mystery. That is not something that we should fear. Mm. Uh, and he could say the same thing about suffering. You know, that if, if the good news of Christianity is anything, it's that we know the answer to this world. We understand the reason why everything exists. We understand what the heart of this world is um, and that it it's all leading towards love. And it it is good, fundamentally good. The, the, the sorrows that we endure... You know the tortures that we go through in our daily life don't hold a candle to uh, the good that we're going to receive. It's almost like those Roman soldiers we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, who you know this this one night of suffering on this lake, right. from freezing to death, is nothing can compare it. Right. And that hope that they had um, informed how they encountered the suffering that they did.
0: Right. And they didn't then, just. And then the suffering deepens the hope. That's what's amazing because a lot of times, if hope is reduced to optimism, then we're trying to we're essentially hoping. That the future has no suffering, no pain, no difficulty. It's just better, right? In mm-hmm. that sense of the word. But actually, that to be so steeped in that theological virtue, which is a gift, right? We got to remember that. that yeah, is this a, is not. It's not something we just kind of like that work ourselves had, up. in. She had a, a profound gift from God to hope, and we can have that. That when we talk about the theological virtues, they are they are gifts. We forget that. That's good stuff. No, it's true. And and
1: how the question is how do we how do we have hope? And there's there's this interplay between hope and faith that we miss so often it's not just kind of hoping that things and optimism but it's gr- it's grounded in we have faith that god exists we have faith in god's love for us you know we believe and we place ourselves you know these roman soldiers uh and, you know who are about to get tortured and killed had faith mm-hmm. um, you know saint josephine bequita she has faith and because of her faith because her faith is strong she has hope it's not just kind of like a oh i hope this turns out right. but it's a confident expectation that this is it's like, you know, it's like I'm going to walk through this door and I know what's on the other side. The door's right. thrown open before me. I just have to right. move forward. And that, and that informs and that empowers everything. Um, right. And it's a beautiful grace and it's a beautiful gift. But it's so important to remember in our life now because uh, so often, I, the, you know, St. Faustina said the greatest reason why people don't grow in holiness and sanctity is because of discouragement and worry and fear. Right. Um, Which is funny. We might think it's because, you know, people aren't trying hard enough or they're not... You know, making the sacrifices. Or they just, you know, they don't go to church or something. Now, the greatest reason why people don't grow in holiness and become saints is because of worry, discouragement, and fear. Um, and the opposite of those things is hope. It's saying, yeah. you know, as much as my failures and my weaknesses and my sufferings are such a part of my life and seem to define who I am, what defines me is not that I fail or mm-hmm. not that I am weak, but what defines me is that. God
0: is love. But it's hope in Christ. It's not hope in humanity. Like, you know, a couple of years back w- with the Obama campaign, hope, and you'd see his picture, and people were just having that everywhere. And that was just hope in another political leader, hope in humanity, hope. It goes back to uh, communism was the same kind of thing. It was all of this, uh, Marx really developed this, but just hope in humanity. We're progressing. Everything's getting better. Um, And we have to just reject that, and we have to have a really Christian, a profoundly Christian understanding of hope, which means that it's in Christ. It's only in Christ that um, we have anything, we have any desire um, and any ability to kind of move beyond Kind of the difficulties and the anxieties of life. So exactly, it's grounded
1: in it's grounded in our faith. It's grounded in Christ, and it's even World War Two is is this. I mean, that's that shattered so, so many people's hope. Exactly, beginning of World War in the beginning of the twentieth century it was like humanity was like we were going to do things. You know, we invented the airplane, we got right. the car, we're good, we're doing all these things. We're going to solve world hunger. We're going to solve all these problems, all the suffering in the world. Um, and then you have World War One and Two, which just totally shatters that image uh, that we're progressing and that pr- right. progress is. A, given you know taken for granted and she was actually around during world war ii in in italy during the bombings and she had this she would say when the bombs she just said you know you know let them come with their bombs you know it'll all be as god pleases we're in his Mm. hands you know and a lot of people in the town where she was attributed uh the salvation of that town to her prayer and her trust in god just you know that was her she had faith that god was there god was love and that was that affected how she went into her sufferings you know
0: that's beautiful now uh her name again, Josephine Bhagavad Gita,
1: is <laughs> Bakita.
0: Bakita. Bakita
1: was actually a name given to her by the slave trade, uh, which means a Arabic word meaning "lucky one," huh? which is kind of sarcastic. But uh, it's 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 in sense she actually never remembered her real name. Her suffering was so great that she didn't remember her name oh. from a child. So Josephine was her baptism name. Nice. And Bakita was the name given to her as a slave.
0: Nice. Uh, good work. Another another topic I just, I've just i just learned a ton from. Sorry to be so quiet well, over here, but I'm just trying to soak it in. This amazing well, story. Well, it's all right.
1: Now, on February 8th, when this podcast is published, you can actually uh, enter it. in with a, a conscious knowledge of who this person is exactly. you're praying to for her. This will session. be the first time I do that mm-hmm. on February 8th. And actually, she is the patron saint of uh, Sudan, huh? and she's from Darfur. Really? So all the suffering has gone on there. Oh, she, that's actually whoa. where she's from. Wow. So there's a real solidarity there. And there's still – I mean, the slave trade, when – uh, John Paul canonized her. One of the things she said at her canonization was, "The slave trade is actually bigger now in the world, worldwide, than it was during you know the time where she lived, right. and in the, and the slave trade in America, the transatlantic mm-hmm. trade." Um, and she she kind of held her. And this is what John Paul and and the Church is so good at holding up not just holy people, but holy people that the world needs to see as models of holiness because they can you know relate to their experience, lay people, for married people, for people in the world, but also. People who can relate to the sufferings of so many people uh, to say, here is a model of how to of how to endure your sufferings, and not just endure your sufferings, but to attain everlasting life in it, and real true joy and happiness in it. Right.
0: And one last point: if you are looking for a good book on hope, Josef Pieper, German, has a real small book on. It's called On Hope. Very, very good. Highly recommended. P. I. E. P. E. R. by Ignatius Press. Check it out.
1: You and your German Ignatius Support Press. Support Ignatius Press propaganda. and
0: Hansers. Let's go back to Hansers on sorry. No, just joking. Uh, that's it for me. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And see any more week.
1: thoughts, suggestions, insults, comments, whatever, we will take them. Catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com.